0: You're listening to Across Culture, the podcast which explores culture, identity and the Christian faith. I'm your host Jesse. Hi everyone, welcome to series 3 of Across Culture. Happy 2021, I think. Yeah, I have just managed to upload this episode in January, so I can still say that. I think Happy New Year, it's 2021 and how is it going for you? I know that it's been difficult for so many people. But I'm so thankful that you have decided to listen to this episode, that you have decided to continue supporting and listening to a cross culture podcast. I'm really amazed actually at how many people have been listening. So, this podcast started in the summer of 2020. And since then, it has been played in 33 countries, of which UK obviously has had the most listens. Thank you to my fellow Brits. And there's also been quite a lot of listens from US. The other top countries are the Netherlands and Singapore. So thanks so much for tuning in and sharing with your friends. Um, And a lot of people have been listening on Apple Podcasts. So if that is you, please do subscribe, leave a review And that would be really cool because then it helps Apple and it helps me to know that people are listening. And then it would help with search engines and stuff like that. I actually have no idea how it works. And my top most played episode is from series one. It is Leadership in Shame-Based Cultures with Wayne Fung. So if you haven't listened to that yet, then I really encourage you to go to series one, episode four, I believe, and give it a listen. Thank you! So this is series three, and my first episode is with Theo Visser from the Netherlands. And this was actually my first ever live recording, and I didn't have my mic, so apologies if the audio isn't as good um, in this episode. Theo is a really funny guy. I spent a good amount of time with his family last autumn. He's a pioneer and leader. And yeah, anyway, I'll let him introduce himself. So this is Series 3, Episode 1. Hi Theo, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, Jesse, I'm fine. I'm really glad for this opportunity to chat with you.
0: Yes, I'm really happy that you are taking part and that you're on this episode of Across Culture. So let's start by you introducing yourself. So who are you? What do you do? What can you tell our listeners today?
1: Oh... You know, yeah, like you say, my name is Theo Visser. In Dutch, that means fisherman. And actually, that's what I am. I'm really a fisher of men. So I really like to see people coming to Jesus, turning them into disciples and seeing God's work in them. So actually, that's what I really like to do. And actually, I really love life. You know, I really love, I will say every day of it. And I especially love the king of life gives me so much joy that in this uh, world with all its trials and everything i can just keep going and actually uh, you know because i really love fishing men and discipling them and because i love life i also really love diversity and that's i think why uh, i'm called to be a church planter among people of all nations so we plant intercultural churches Uh, so churches that reflect the ethnic diversity of uh, our cities today so that's what I'm doing
0: you're planting is that what you do um, full-time you're planting churches among these people
1: yeah actually that's what I do but I'm not planting them myself but I'm just inspiring others to do so then I'm coaching them and training them and I want to see new networks so we were building First, we were planting a church in Rotterdam and then there was a new network in the Netherlands. And now we are working across Europe and there's a new network in the UK and in Italy and other places. So I just want to make myself superfluous, go mm. behind the scenes and others run with the torch.
0: Mm. Wow, sounds really good. So what has your experience been in church planting? Like what has got you to this point that you can let other people run with the torch? Yeah,
1: actually, you know, in the course of time, I made so many mistakes that I felt so sad if others would have to make all the same mistakes as I had made. So I I thought that's just a waste, you know. So let's just help those people to not be as stupid as I am (laughs) and then help them to get going. Now, actually, it's like, you know, I think God wired me, made me into someone like, I always see opportunities. I'm always someone who sees things that others do not always see. So when mm. we started with planting an intentional intercultural church in Rotterdam in 2000, people just looked to us and said, those weird people, what's wrong with them? How can they imagine that that can ever happen? You know, it's too complicated. It's too complicated to plant a church. It's way too complicated to plant an intercultural church. But I just saw the vision. I just saw the heart of God. I, I had to do it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Wow. So can you tell us more about what intercultural church actually means? Because maybe people are not familiar with the word intercultural.
1: Yes. Yeah, so what's in a name? But, you know, to us, we could say that to just make it a little bit clear, like um, you could say you have a, an international church, which is then more maybe like a soup. So you have people from all kinds of nations, but you don't see the differences between ethnicities. Then it's a little bit more intense will be a multicultural church. You could compare that to a buffet. So you still have some ingredients. Once in a while you can enjoy the African beating the drums or African prayer night. But then you go home and it might not really change your life. And then an intercultural church will be a church which we compare to a salad. So if you Jesse, you are an orange and I'm an apple. (laughs) I get some of this delicious orange and I give some of the flavor of my apple to you. And Mm. I learn a lot and I really want you to change me. And I really don't want you to be a guest in my church, but I want to be church together with you. So I really want to go the whole way. And I really want to meet you at the deepest level. And, uh, you know, so it's quite intense, an intercultural church, but I think it's also the most beautiful way to do church.
0: Hmm. Yeah, sounds really good. Why is it the best way to do church? Because <laughs> yeah. some people have uh, mono-ethnic churches, for example, yeah. or they're happy with their, you know, white majority church or something like that.
1: Yes, now, I can imagine, you know, if you live in a, in a white neighborhood and there are no other ethnicities around, you know, it's, a, of course, it, it's fine. But what if you live in a very diverse city? Uh, with so many cultures together why then would you close yourself into a silo with your own people only mm. especially if it is true that Jesus came to not only reconcile us with God but also to reconcile us with others so also other nations and if it is true that he loves diversity and if God embraces all nations and if he wants to have them before his throne and if Jesus came to break down all walls and also, if he became the head to unite everything under him, why then wouldn't we anticipate on that and just also build churches that reflect his heart? That's one. And second, that also represent the ethnic diversity, you know, of um you know of our nations and of our cities. Mm. So I think, you know, of course I don't blame anyone living an, in a monocultural church, but I yeah. think you might miss out on something beautiful.
0: Mm is there any um reason why maybe a less uh, culturally diverse place should have an intercultural church
1: yeah you know still um it it could be important since like imagine there is a village like in the netherlands there's a village with sixty thousand people and it's just you know known as a place where quite a number of people are christians but when we investigated we found out that of those 60,000, uh, about 15,000 came from other nations, other cultures, like guest workers, refugees. Yeah. And uh, there were, I think, 20 churches over there and not one church focused on reaching out to those people. Mm. So actually, an intercultural church then, in a place like that, can really help to reach out to those people and disciple them, but also offer them a community help them integrate into society. And the amazing thing in that place is that those 20 churches united in planting an integral church together. Wow. So that is really a good example of Christian unity, I would say.
0: Yeah. So what if there was a, a place, let's say in the countryside, uh, you can talk about countryside in, in England, mm-hmm. and everybody is of the majority culture, the white mm-hmm. ethnicity. And so... Uh, could you have people from other cities who are a bit more culturally diverse going into that one place and planting a church there, or actually should it just come from the people who are there? Mm. And if it's not intercultural, that's okay.
1: Yeah, you know the interesting things that we have seen in the Netherlands, and I think you can compare the dynamics, is that in first instance people from the villages especially when they had an other cultural background, would go to the city to an intercultural church. Then after some time they found out this is not natural, that every time we have to travel to the city. Yeah. So then we from the city challenge the local Christians in the village why you don't plant a church. Mm. And we will stand behind you and we will walk with you through the motions. Uh, we got some experience in the city, so now let's bring it to the villages. And I think that works best. I don't think that people from the city should plant churches in the villages because the best people who can do that is those who live there and who understand the local dynamics. And these are the people from those villages. So Mm -hmm. we have seen an example of a neighborhood like that, like many, many Dutch people. And then because of the wave of refugees in 2015, we got a number of refugees there. And now they have planted... uh, ICF intercultural christian fellowship there in in the neighborhood Mm. and it's really amazing how that is blessing the people over there so Yeah, I think it can be really done in the villages as well
0: Mm. Yeah, and in your experience, what is the kind of process for planting a new intercultural church?
1: Yeah, we have learned a lot over the years and uh, I would say the more bottom-up we can do it, the better it is. And the cheaper, the easier uh, we can start, the best the best thing there is. So we would now always suggest to people like you why well, you don't just start a small mission or community with some Christians and some people who are seekers, and you just start, you can even start with an offer course. You know, Alpha but course. at least yeah. that concept, like you first start with a meal. Then you share something from the word of God and then you discuss it but in the meantime you share relationships. One time you go away for an intense weekend where Mm -hmm. you really ask God to touch the lives of people and that then can be the start of a missional community and they can move on. After the Alpha course is over, they can continue and then they can multiply and others can start a group like that too and then if you have a couple of those smaller missional communities, once in a Month you can get it together for a Sunday gathering, and then it's quite bottom up, it's not expensive, it's not difficult. Almost anyone can do it, uh, it's fun, hmm. it's real life.
0: It starts from the home, right? It like starts from the home, home groups, that kind of thing. Absolutely, wow! So it's accessible to people, yes,
1: um, yeah. And you know, the advantages that in this way you can also first start to build with some ethnic specific groups like imagine you have some people who speak farsi they don't speak English yet. You cannot just involve them immediately into an English speaking home group or cell group or house group. So you'd better first start with a Farsi group or an Arabic group led by preferably an Iranian or an Arab that you can maybe train to do that with their own people and then later on they meet with the other missional communities. And Mm. then, you know, they can still, uh, you know, integrate and connect with others. So you can do both. We call that the bonding is bringing the same kind of people together in one group. And then later on, you do the bridging. And then you connect the dots and you connect the people and the groups together in one church.
0: Wow. Or what if you have a mixed group first? Maybe two Iranians, two Dutch, something like that, two English. Does yeah. that also work or is it better to have one group where it's all like Arabic or something?
1: Yeah, it could work, but then at least they all need to speak the same language. Because oh yes. If you have to <laughs> translate all the time, we found out it's almost impossible mm. to do that. So if it's possible, we find out that it's better to start with a kind of homogeneous smaller groups. And as soon as you have those more homogeneous smaller groups, then you can start to connect them all together, and then still you are this melting pot of cultures and all kind of ethnicities.
0: And that grows into a bigger network. Yes, And that absolutely. is Would that be the church then?
1: Yeah, that would be the church. And we would even say, like, you know, if you have this church, this network, this church, if it grows up to 100, why you then, again, don't multiply it, and you just make two groups of 50, you know, and then it's really easy going, you don't need full-time pastors, mm. you know, it's, it's not that costly, it's not uh, that intense, it's really low-key, it's most of all sharing life, it's not a high organization level, and I find out that everywhere in Europe, people become so tired of churches where most of the time you are spending your time in organizing things, <laughs> instead of walking and working and worshiping with people, because ultimately mm. most people... Who invest their lives in churches? They want to invest in people and not in computers and or like laptops. Yeah.
0: Rosters. Who's doing what next? Yes. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. So we could, should keep the organization level as low as possible. I think, you know, to spend as much time as we can sharing lives and spending time with others and investing our time in others and uh, not spending too much time behind our computers.
0: Mm. I like that. That if it gets to a certain number, to split, to make it um, two separate groups and make it smaller. Um, For example, going into, they could plant that church. Mm. Is it called planting? They could bring Mm -hmm. that church into another neighborhood. Sure. And then just be the local church for that place. Yes. And then as it grows, another group can go somewhere else.
1: Absolutely. And of course, that's not a law. And there might be situations where you choose a different path, you know, and maybe... There are just the situations where you can build a bigger church because you have very gifted pastors. So it's not a law to mm. always do it like that. But this is just what we found out that in Europe today, probably this could be the way to go.
0: Mm. Yeah, it sounds quite easy. It probably isn't. But <laughs> no,
1: it's not, because it's also really difficult to work with people who you don't understand. They eat differently. They smell differently, <laughs> you know, they do everything differently. Yeah. And to really love people that you don't understand, Jesse, that's a challenge for many people. And uh, we also always call people that we think are difficult to us or we ir- irritate ourselves. Mm. We call them our grace trainers.
0: Grace trainers.
1: Yeah, so they are our <laughs> grace trainers. So they, lo- they teach us how to be disciples, you know, wow. because th- if we only work with people that we like and who are like us,
0: yeah.
1: we never really will grow fast spiritually. But when we deal with people that we really need a lot of grace to deal well with them, you know. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's difficult. (laughs) But who says that walking in God's kingdom would ever be easy? Mm. So you'd better expect things to be difficult. And you Mm. better expect things to go uphill sometimes. And you better accept that there will be setbacks and there will be tough times and and mistakes you'll make. You know, we live in a broken world. Let's be very realistic about that. We live also in an age where God has poured out His Spirit. Let's be realistic about that too.
0: Mm. Yes, that's so good. So, can you give us a, an example um, of some of the challenges? So, just now you were saying um, being with people who are very different can have its challenges and tensions and things like that. So, do you have any examples that you can share?
1: Yes, I've. I have so many examples that now it's really hard to choose the Jesse. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I found out, for example, what was really hard to me is when I first planted a church and handed over the leadership, there were some humble people from other nations and other cultures that I saw could be the leaders of the future. Hmm. So when we made them leaders, they suddenly, as soon as they got that name leader or pastor, mm. they changed completely
0: into wow. other kind
1: of persons. Like now they mm. thought, we have the power. Mm. And suddenly they didn't listen that much to other people anymore. And they just choose their own course. And they just also cause lots of problems with the Dutch population. But Dutch people are not that submissive, you know. <laughs> yeah. So if someone tells them, like... Uh, uh, this guy did it was a, a guy from Ghana Ghanaian pastor he said God has showed me that we should buy a building you know and we should do that wow. so then the Dutch people asked you know okay but how are you going to do that and how do you think we make that possible financially yes he said that is unbelief because if God has told me mm. to do that we should do it and then those people would say, no, that doesn't make sense. And why are you, who are you to call us unbelievers? Because we ask you how you're going to do this. So this was also cultural difference. Yes. And it was a cultural clash and it was hard, Jesse. It was really hard. Handing over a church after you've planted one is really a difficult process. And then the intercultural dynamics with what we call power distance. Like, you know, in the Netherlands, we don't have as much power distance as people in the UK. So they have more respect for their boss. But there are some cultures when the boss says something, it has to happen. And the pastor is the boss. So mm. everything that the pastor says has to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's so foreign to Dutch culture that we have had quite some problems there in the field of power distance.
0: I can see that also in the intercultural church. Not just handing over leadership, but leadership in general in yeah. the churches or, yeah, what the place is uh, of the pastor, or how people relate to the pastor. Or even, I was thinking about um, a church that I've been attending recently, and they were saying, oh, okay, we need to try and start on time. And maybe it's quite a Dutch thing to start Mm -hmm. on time, but then there are also members of the church who are not from a European or Dutch or Western European background. So how do you accommodate both parties? Not, yeah, Yeah. in terms of different cultural aspects.
1: Oh, yes, yes. Time consciousness is also (laughs) such an issue. Uh, I remember I had to marry the first time an African couple and uh, we Ah. would start the marriage service at three o'clock. So all the Dutch people were there at three o'clock, but none of our... (laughs) Brothers and sisters from Africa were there. And even the bride and the groom didn't show up till almost yeah. four o'clock. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to them, it was completely not an issue at all. Well, we were so upset, like, what's happening? We have a, <laughs> such something as, as important as a marriage service and the people are not there. Yeah. So, you know, this is just, oh man, you learn so, so much in the course of time
0: yeah so there's no prescriptive way of how to do it in a church like no. does the dominant culture um, take priority or i don't know does it depend
1: yeah it depends you know i think it's it's normal if the dominant culture or the host culture has um its effect on the on the church like for example yes. every nation has their own gift and Dutch people are quite good in organization So why not in a church, even an intercultural church, have things a bit more organized than they will be in Asia or Africa? Because Mm -hmm. we are in the Netherlands and we cannot just neglect time and have no time consciousness at all. Mm. But at the same time, we need to be flexible to our brothers and sisters who are just not used to that and to whom this is so foreign. So there's always this tricky balance between host culture and... And the people you have in your church and how to deal with that. But, yeah, that's why you certainly need to be a bit flexible in an intercultural church. Mm.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us uh, some of the lessons that you've learned as well? So you already mentioned some. um, But what are some of the lessons that you learned that you're able Mm. to share?
1: One of the things that touched my heart deeply is that... um, We had a Chinese group in the first church we planted. And one day the leader of the Chinese group um, took me to China for three weeks. We visited Mm. underground churches there. And I learned so much from the way those uh, uh, Chinese brothers and sisters, uh, both in our midst, who were in our midst in the Netherlands, but also there in China, the way they lived with, with Jesus and the way they dedicated their lives to him and the spiritual lessons that they shared with us and, uh, you know, the impact of those churches and uh, that has been a major challenge to me and uh, such a, uh, it has really helped me to deepen my faith and to grow in my commitment and to really see, uh, to be so impressed of the mighty deeds of God in the, I would say, revival in the church in China. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like a really great and impactful experience. Yes,
1: I can never forget those three weeks. They impacted my life like crazy.
0: Yeah. Does that change the way that um, you approach intercultural church planting?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I would say like, why would you not enjoy that blessing? Like, why would you just stay in an environment that is mostly in your comfort zone? Why won't you step out of your comfort zone? Because walking with Jesus and following him, actually, I really don't get it how we could ever stay in our comfort zones. Because he is just turning uh, everything upside down in our own lives. And he doesn't meet our expectations. And he's really an amazing savior. And he leads us on, on unknown paths. And... He brings us to unknown places Mm. and as long as it's safe I'm not sure if we then still are at the place where he wants us to be because I think as much as I know him that he always does something that you could never ever imagine and that he brings you to places that you could never dream of and that living with him is such an adventure uh, with so many unexpected ways and turnarounds and everything. That I think, um, you know, being open to his Holy Spirit and where he leads us uh, could really bring you to places like an intercultural church where you really see him at work in a completely different Mm. and new way. Because one thing you learn in an intercultural church is uh, what is really the essentials of the faith. Like we all have our own traditions. We all have our own way of understandings. We all have our cultural preferences. But as soon as we go to an intercultural church, And we meet all the people who do things differently. We have to think about what is really core to my faith. And what is maybe just cultural. Mm. And then you might discover much more is cultural Mm. than you ever thought before. So that really brings you to the core of who is Jesus actually today. And you know, I think that is such a good process. Because it breaks you down. And the way of Jesus is the way of the cross always the way that we die to ourselves and through that the resurrection power of jesus can fully do its work
0: yeah wow thanks for sharing that and i'm doing some reflecting as well myself also because um as some of our listeners know um i've mainly been going to a mono-ethnic chinese church Mm -hmm. and i've been doing that for the last Um, Over 10 years now, and I'm exploring what it looks like to be more in in an intercultural church setting. So I think I'm also reflecting what does it look like to um, experience the intercultural church life? Mm. So not just within church services, but what does Mm -hmm. it look like outside of that and in the community? Um, So is there anything that you can also share? Like what does intercultural church life in community look like? Yes, I want
1: to share something about that. But I also am very interested to your lessons. So now I'm going to interview you. (laughs) What did you discover?
0: Well, I'm still discovering. But I like how people can do things outside of the service. So you can invite your brothers and sisters around Mm. to your home. And obviously, because they're from different backgrounds, they might bring different foods, for example. Mm. And you just have fellowship together. Mm. And that's what i'd like to do as well and just hearing about um people who know about the iranian culture or Mm -hmm. the the iranian new year and the celebrations Mm -hmm. for that so i i know a couple and they run churches in derby Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um and they were talking to um some of our friends about iranian new year and i thought wow they know so much even though you know they're they're white english and it's yeah, I was a little bit jealous. <laughs> oh. Why do they know so much? I don't know. And I also want to have friends like that and learn more from other people's cultures and just to value one another.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that as a human, it teaches you a lot. And uh, as, you know, what I found so interesting, Jesse, is that um, trend watchers found out that one of the future trends will be that we need people with more intercultural sensitivity. That's one of the things that in the future we will need in our jobs and in living together in our multicultural society.
0: Mm.
1: Now, Jesse, tell me, if you want to learn intercultural skills, where can you learn that better than in an intercultural church where you share life as a family? Mm -hmm. So I've seen that with my own children. Like, you know, I've seen them often react like, wow, how could those people say that? They really don't understand anything of, you know, of the cultural uh, dynamic. Because, you know, people can be so numb and uh, they can just have so little insight. Um, So, for example, we have learned so much about respect in other cultures. Like, Dutch people do not always know how much honor and respect, uh, what it means. So, from our Asian friends and Mm. uh, also other cultures, we've learned much more about respect for elderly generations, for other people by expressing that honor and how important it is to, to do that and that we are not just all uh, yeah, just at the same level, but just understand that there are levels of authority and that our God is a God of authority. You learn all those lessons in an, uh, in an intercultural church.
0: Mm. And You get to see like a bigger picture of God, right? From different perspectives and you get to see and learn more about his character
1: absolutely yes like my african friends they one day came up with the phrase we need to uh, learn to walk on our knees Mm. of course they meant we should pray in everything we do and prayer should be the heart attitude of everything we do but they did not only say it they practiced what they preached. so (laughs) you know they had those prayer nights uh, once a month or sometimes even once a week and they were fasting and we were really not used to do those things. Mm. So in those fast, in that fasting, and in those prayer nights, we really learned also new ways to to really, you know, stand in the gap and and do uh, and pray for others. And uh, yeah, it's an amazing journey.
0: Mm, yeah, I see that. And I think also outside of organized events as well to intentionally seek time and relationships with people Mm. who are culturally different and actually getting to know those people on a deeper level Mm. so being good friends with these people and then you see past the cultural things but then you also see the beauties of each culture and you learn to live together
1: absolutely Mm. that's really what we need to do and like you say those relationships we need to invest in that and that costs time and time is just something you know, Western people really have to learn to spend time in relationships.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. Great. Well, I think we're going to come towards the end of the interview. Uh, Is there any final remarks or anything you'd like to share before we end off?
1: Yeah, I would say like, let's ask Jesus um, to look with his eyes to to today's opportunities. So we live in a an amazing time now with uh, this uh, Corona crisis. We live in an amazing time in our multicultural society. We live in a turning tide in the in the church. So why not ask God, like um, Father, what do you want to do through all of this in my life? What do you want to do with all of this in your church? Jesus, how you, do you want your church to look like this time and age? And to really walk in this receptiveness and uh, really cling to Jesus in everything we do. Because all our human activity and everything, uh, it doesn't make a difference. And uh, what I see that this is especially a time where we have to rediscover what it means that God's Holy Spirit resides in us. And that he wants to teach us and to empower us. And to show us to live the christian life with joy with conviction with faithfulness and with much enthusiasm because our god is really worthy to receive all honor and he is worthy of people who just follow him with all their hearts and uh, i think my last remark is you know it's not about an intercultural church but it's about a magnificent wonderful diverse god That we serve
0: wow so many good words of wisdom there yes listeners maybe you can go back and listen to it again and write it down (laughs) yeah wonderful tale thank you jesse it's
1: such a pleasure to have this chat with you
0: yeah me too thank you so much for being here okay okay bye